Well, it's good to have you guys back. This is a kind of a weird experiment because we're doing this. Um, we're, 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 this is our first episode where we're completely not in the nerd cave for nerds. I on know film, right? it's and weird. We're each collectively or individually naked in our own respective I, recording locations, right? It's really weird for Gina because she's in a library right now. <laughs> Public nudity right. is legal in Santa Rosa, isn't it, Gina? No, no, it is not. Oh, I, I, I fucked that up. I, I would like to reassure our listeners I am most assuredly not nude in the Schultz Family Library on the Sonoma State campus. Um, <laughs> there is a window into this study room, so no one no one wants to see that when they're trying to do differential equations or whatever people use these rooms for. Um, I do want to take this opportunity to thank our listeners, because thanks to uh, generous contributions from listeners like you... <laughs> Uh, I have, I was provided a brand new Yeti mic to take to school with me so I could continue to be a part of the podcast. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all of you who have contributed and, you know, are allowing me to, to continue to be a part of this while I continue my educational journeys. I really appreciate that. Big, big thank you. Shout out to all of you. Yay. Our listeners are the best. They are. Yeah. And seriously, guys, like that, these are your dollars in action, right? You know, we always talk about, hey, throw us, hit us up with a donation. And they're probably like, why? Like, like <laughs> you guys haven't done shit in a while. What's your going on? nerd oh. dollars at work. Um, yeah. no, it actually does because I'll tell you, the amount we get is just enough to keep us without having to dip into our own pockets for things. You know, your money, guys, covers hosting, it covers incidentals like this it covers any other things it covers up. eric's medical bills <laughs> no you really you actually legally really you shouldn't oh, no. say that because now all of a sudden we're gonna get an email from the irs <laughs> <laughs> sorry like, no i can't i make joke it's you funny you laugh lots of money in taxes but you can you can pay it with a 50 dollars with a 500 dollars target gift card um, <laughs> oh my god I'm kidding. You're not paying oh, for man. Eric's medical bills. You're paying for Eric's therapy. No. <laughs> oh my God. The poor man yeah. has been through so much. <laughs> so it feels like we've been gone a while, but we really haven't. I mean, it's only been a few weeks. But how are you guys? Mm-hmm. How are you? How are you two? What's going on? Gina's obviously in a new location. That's fine. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And Gina's off to school. <laughs> I know about so just just as a just as a heads up for everyone I'm back in school and you're probably thinking oh is she doing a smart girl thing and getting a master's no no I am finishing my BA and trying to get a teaching credential I'm (laughs) almost 28 years old and I had a long bout of like anxiety and depression that kept me from finishing my educational journey so that's why I'm here now and not in the Bay Area recording with the other nerds so I think it's important to be fairly transparent about why I have the need to record remotely now. So, but I'm I'm doing very well. I live on campus. Um, a lot of my roommates are like actual babies, though. Um, <laughs> I have a bunch of roommates that are like 19, and I'm like in my dorm with like a glass of wine, just like, oh hey, uh, this is not for you. <laughs> because I mean, to be um, fair, to make sure listeners understand, Gina's going to to college in wine country. So, mm-hmm. you know, I am and I I am in a in a suite that is designated as a 21 and over suite. So the rule is I as an over 21 student can have one open drink at a time. And then if um, my suite mates who some of which are under 21, they just know like they are not supposed to be touching my alcoholic beverage because it is with my food or whatever. Do and you guys have a resident advisor that regulates that? Or um, we do that? have it. We do have an RA, and I think part that's part of the reason why the rule is um, only one drink open at a time. So if you do have a roommate or a suite mate that gets into it, they can't like party with it so I can't have like a full bar and have like jack and vodka and a bottle of wine open like no if that's I have, what yeah. coming home for the holidays is about exactly <laughs> or I go to my boyfriend's house and, exactly. and he makes it he mixes me drinks like I hit the jackpot with David let's be real <laughs> that boy cooks like a champ Aww. he wanted to get into like mixology as a hobby and I'm just like oh god yes I'm going to just take advantage of all of your hobbies all <laughs> <laughs> All the use, hobbies. Use your the hobbies time. to serve me. Okay, wait, well, hang on. So, so, now we're talking mixology. You're talking one of my hobbies too. 
Uh, <laughs> nerd. And nerd. Really, when I say hobby, I'm actually saying addiction. Um, <laughs> it's all I'm, coming out tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Guys, I'm Irish. Uh, Alcoholism kind of comes with it. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of comes in the genes. Um, no, but I'm making light of it, actually a, a joke that probably some people don't find very funny. But um, yeah. oh, but please. Real <laughs> talk, though, what's film. your go-to cocktail, Gina? Um, so he actually makes a really, really excellent suffering bastard. The primary ingredient is rum. So like he for either anniversary or Christmas or his birthday or some gift giving event, um, I got him the Smuggler's Cove book, the one that the Tiki Bar in SF put out and that has some of their recipes in it for the drinks that they serve in the bar. And so that's been primarily what he's been using and mixing. So he makes a really good uh, like punch kind of drink as well oh super good dude that sounds bomb nice oh it's great it's Mm. great i love it i love him it's wonderful do you have a like address that our listeners can uh utilize if they need to send you a care package uh if any of our listeners would like to send me a care package feel free to email us uh so i can i can provide you with that information privately i would prefer not to broadcast it over the air they could Um, send it to our p.o box actually they could send it to our p.o box and then it could be forwarded to me or if you want to cut out the middleman um i'm not afraid to give out my my school address or Mm -hmm. anything i would just prefer not to do so over the air if you would if you are so kind as to want to send me something message me privately and that would be uh oh so very kind um it is it it is also working in my favor for that because um (laughs) i i typically only get uh notified by the school if i get um a package in my mailbox Mm -hmm. um they don't give me a notification if i receive paper mail so if -hmm. someone says like hey i want to send you you know a, a snail mail letter or something because i know i've mentioned this before i love me some old school snail mail put some wax seals on there you want to calligraphy that envelope <laughs> Dearest Gina, yes i write you to you from the wall yeah. exactly so um, if you want to if you want to do that feel free to message me privately and you know, since sean's here i also need to kind of voice his opinion if you want to send gina a civil war style callig- calligraphed <laughs> wax sealed letter on top of a box full of baby doll heads <laughs> also hit us up also send them our way <laughs> or like a old print of like a classic dick pic but it's like drawn <laughs> it's it's a da vinci illustrated dick pic it's it's like just the dick area of the vitruvian man just like, the tip just the tip just or like or like historical dicks like it's just it's just a picture of the dick part of like the david statue you know the dick pics and they'll send me the button Yes, it is. Buca de Beppo is my house, Brian, didn't you know? <laughs> Brian, you don't remember the joke I've always told about Gina's house? That whenever I'd ring the doorbell, I half expected the theme song from The Godfather to play as the doorbell jingle? <laughs> like, literally, we went trick-or-treating there once in high school, and I thought we were going to be murdered on a, wa- no, they on a just, walk no, down. She, we went she, there. Has, we went. she has, like, one of her cousins just playing the mandolin, and she's playing... <laughs> That would be She's dope. playing the Godfather theme on mandolin. <laughs> that would be amazing because mandolin sounds awesome. Yeah. Also, we didn't go trick-or-treating at my house. We went there post-trick-or-treating because my house is like out in the sticks. It's a yeah. very dangerous place to trick-or-treat. There's no sidewalk. Wait, we went there to go. Do you live on what? Hicks Road? Do you live off of Hicks um, Road? No, Hicks will eventually connect to where my house is, but um, I, she's pre-Hicks Road. I'll I'll tell you off the air, Brian. I don't. I mean, our listeners probably don't care, but I don't think I need to the ones explicitly who are reveal Jose, my the, home address. Wait, you me? Air. You telling me you live near Hicks Road in San Jose, California? What? <laughs> See, I, so the ones who are in San Jose. If care. you if you get onto Hicks Road in a certain location, Hicks will eventually spit you out and put you down a road where my home is so for those who don't understand the lore about hicks road in san jose google that shit you will be entertained yeah the the one that i always heard growing up was that there was like an albino colony living 
there's an albino road. colony. It was like Hill People, Hicktown. I'm pretty sure it was the basis for the first season of True Detective. That's all I'm saying. I think I go ahead. I think the rumors in that have been quelled a little bit since they opened up Mount Ammonum, though. Like people can go a little further up there now. A girl can real real talk. The it's a complete urban legend, obviously, but that's actually based off of uh, one of Eric's relatives who was who was albino. Like no shit. Yeah, the Brickmont family has been in San Jose for a long time. I'm not even making this up. Like he, we actually covered it on an episode of Nerds on History. Like it's, what? Yeah, it's a legit thing. Like it's based Holy off. Holy shit! Yeah. It's What's the episode off, called? Uh, it was in the first year. I think it was in our first year around Halloween. So is it called Eric's uncle is an albino? No. <laughs> Part one. No, no, no. Um, but we, it was. I remember Eric's it was because we were talking about how monster lore develops. Oh, you know what it was? I think it was I Vote Gumby for Vampire. I think it was that one. <laughs> because okay. it was, um, we were talking about vampire lore and how stories that are about how we observe the, the real world get telephoned into larger-than-life stories and mm-hmm. how that is very true with the, with the history of vampirism. So, um, Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. So, actually, I think you would enjoy that, guys. Hey, because we're talking about a podcast that's been, you know, off the air for two years now. Um, you but we are talking about a podcast though. that has a good fan base. And speaking of fan bases. Speaking oh of, ooh, Gina, uh, Gina and Roxy. But Roxy right <laughs> now, I love you so much. <laughs> that's, on, a, that's a solid transition. It is. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Brian Moriarty. I'm Roxy Noberry. And I'm Gina Giovanetti. So, guys, here's the thing. We're kind of open-minded when it comes to movies. Like, we tend to, we obviously have our opinions, because if you've heard our reviews, we don't always agree on certain things. But I would say we're fairly tolerant of varying types of cinema. And Mm. the thing is, we all know that some of you aren't. And some of you are part of groups that aren't. So... Full caution, this gets very critical about kind of the things you like and the way you treat them. So just know. <laughs> critical about critics. Yeah. So just <laughs> just so you know, like, none of, if you're a hardcore listener, please don't take this personally. Um, and if you do, well, then clearly this isn't the podcast for you. Or just but send all your hate mail to Sean. It's exactly. okay. He, we already he have feeds this off that built. shit. Exactly. We don't. Yeah. We and I'll tell Sean. Sean will say, "Great." So now I hope your family dies in a fire. That's what. Oh, <laughs> it's his life's blood to yeah. hear hate from you all. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Bring so, it on. what Brian is getting at is that today we're talking about fandom, but on top of that, we're talking about how fandom and especially specific fandoms have become kind of a toxic place and how that's happened and why it's happening and what we can do to maybe try to combat that. I blame it on the YouTube. (laughs) Blame it on the internet. I blame it on them kids and them YouTubers. To be fair, like, as as much as, like, we joke about that, I feel like the internet has has been able to give a rise to people being toxic about certain things, whether it is fandom or their political views or, or anything. The internet has kind of allowed so many people to give to feel like they have a voice even if they are just like shouting into the ether of the internet because social media and things allows us to connect in such a quick instant gratification way Mm. if you throw that opinion out into the internet it's there's a very high chance that one of the other you know billions upon billions of people in the on the internet someone will share that and connect with you and then you know the more numbers you collect the more powerful you seem well here's a question who here um has ever been a part or like pretty uh involved in a fandom like what was your first experience with a fandom (laughs) Because I've got one. Gina? I mean, I want to say that the probably the two fandoms I was most involved in early on was Harry Potter, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then around the like middle school, high school time, um, I got real into the cartoon Daria as well. <laughs> and I think that's actually like outside of Harry Potter. That's actually one of the first things I actually went to try to like look for fan sites and nice. things for was 
Daria. On so what TV. was what was your experience with toxicity with either of those fandoms? So I think it was less so with Daria, just because like. I, you know, you kind of go to a fan site and I think that like, I think Daria was actually my first experience with fan fiction. Um, <laughs> but then, um, nice. but like that, that was more just like, there were a lot of people who were shipping Daria and Jane oh, and God. like, fantastic. Shipping um, is such a slippery slope, dude. It is. And I think that's where a lot of my first experience with how toxic a fandom could be was in like the they they called it the shipping wars with mm. um Harry Potter where it was like, "Oh, well, there were a shipping is a term for relationship or you want two characters to be in a relationship for uh, our listeners who are cultured enough not to have slipped into the strange strange world of fan fiction um, <laughs> and so doubtful, there was very uh, doubtful. there there were two opposing sides the uh, big sides in the harry potter fandom where um a bunch of people really agreed that hermione ended up with ron great um but before the last books came out and it was really apparent that hermione and ron were going to be together there was a sect of people who was also very into um the idea of harry and hermione being together and so um that was something where like I think and the there there were two big fan sites that I was really into so it was MuggleNet and the Leaky Cauldron which were mm-hmm. run by Emerson Sparts and Melissa Anelli and um there were people who then like they actually were able to they actually got to sit down and speak with JK Rowling at a certain nice. point and so there was a point where um Melissa Nelly and Emerson because they like disagreed with the Harry Hermione ship those people kind of really got on them there were people who like sent them very aggressive hate mail I think maybe there were like one or two very aggressive kind of death threats and oh, this was shit. this was before Facebook and Instagram and like Twitter and things got really big this was still mm. a very sort of niche thing this was still when if you wanted to be on Facebook, you had to join a network and it was still a bit like a primary. This was when I was in like early high school. So this would have been like 2004, 2005. Um, so Facebook hadn't quite exploded yet. Twitter wasn't really a big thing yet. Um, so it was still a lot of like hate mail or people like writing into the sites. Um, and that's, that's what I'm getting at with like Facebook and Twitter are are – as beneficial as they are, they are also negatively giving a voice to people who have very strong, negative, toxic opinions. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah. What about you, Brian? Any bad experiences with fandoms you're a part of? Um, bad experiences? Kind of. Yes. I do remember one. Um, let me backtrack. I mean, people know I'm a big comic book geek, so I think my first fandom was that genre in general. If I had to say it was a specific movie, I guess you could say it was the Batman movies. But um, I actually remember – the funny thing is I actually remember the transition because I got into fanzines just as the the full transition to the internet was taking over. So when I was a freshman in high school, I got a subscription to Cinescape magazine. And Cinescape, for those who remember or don't remember, uh, was a fanzine that was dedicated to all genre films. So if it was actually adventure, if it was sci-fi, if it was horror, or if it was comic book related, they covered it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that, that hits 90% of fandom. You know, you got your Star Trek, you got your Star Wars, you got your Indiana Jones, you got Batman, you've got Jurassic Park. You got all the, that shit in there. Um, and then Cinescape had a website because it was a monthly magazine and I got tired of waiting every month. So <laughs> I would go to Cinescape.com and I wouldn't really follow the forums, but there were definitely message boards there. Um, and, and then, um, I remember following Kevin Smith's message board, which was, um, he was very, very active on himself too, for years before he, before Twitter became a thing. Um, so I was kind of both actively involved in those two fandoms. And I remember there was a huge uproar. This must be probably circa 2005, maybe 2004 or so when they were trying to get a new Superman movie off, off the ground. And there were all these rumors going around that they were going to uh, cast a black actress as Lois Lane. And there was, like, fan outrage about it. 
and 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 it's funny because like we're now having you know having that conversation today we would immediately it would immediately be about race um and it i mean it's most certainly was but like back then it was less about that and everyone was making these arguments about how it was more just it wasn't true to the comics and and keeping in mind that even at that time there hadn't been any really good comic book adaptations that were truly fully loyal to the comic books to source material um, I mean, maybe counting X-Men, I think X-Men was the closest we had had at that point. So that was kind of the filter that they were coming from. But it's very interesting to see how fan rage has always been around when there's ever a drastic change to a loved property. But it's not ever, it's just, it's basically what you guys are saying, and I think we all kind of agree, is the internet gave it a megaphone that mm-hmm. made it made it very easy and made them very, very loud. You know, especially when, you know, with, I mean, also the the advent of Rotten Tomatoes and, you know, IMDb mm-hmm. scores and all that kind of stuff. Giving fans a voice over how good a movie is um, has kind of made, made or broken major box office films, I think. Uh, at least mm-hmm. that's the perception. Yeah. 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 Roxy, do you have a, a fandom story you would like to share? Yeah, it actually doesn't have anything to do with uh, film or television. It's about music. Um, I mean, I don't think we're that um, exclusive about, you know, nerds on film. If anything, we're kind of nerds on pop culture. And uh, back in the day, so I became fairly obsessed with this band uh, when I was, gosh, 16? Yeah, 15 or 16. Um, And, I mean, they're pretty well established in a certain genre of music. Um, They're... uh, they're still around. They're still doing their thing. They're still touring, and they're pretty much associated with it. Um, I'm still fairly in love with them to this day, but my relationship with them has definitely softened because I've like gotten older. My music taste has changed. Um, but I became obsessed with this band called Taking Back Sunday, <laughs> and I uh, this was back in the MySpace days, you know, and this is also during the time of our lives back in the early 2000s when that genre of music um, known as emo or alt rock uh, (laughs) was pretty much at its heyday and um, you know bands like My Chemical Romance, Weezer, um, talking even Blink-182, I mean all of them were like grouped together um, with, with Taking Back Sunday as this you know sort of wave of of teen-centered emotional music, and I definitely hopped on that wave and rode it into the ground. (laughs) Um, And I joined a message board, and I remember my entire, pretty sure it was my entire junior year of high school, every day after school I would go jump on my desktop computer and dive into that message board and just furiously post pictures of the lead singer that I found on every corner of the internet into this one thread that was dedicated (laughs) to pictures of him. And it was me and all these other girls, right? And I actually remember making some pretty good friends with a few other fangirls (laughs) through the message board. Um, And we even conspired to make this, like, um, gift for the band and we all like got assigned different lyrics from different songs and we got to like make these like um pictures with uh, lyrics on them associated with like how the lyrics made us feel and one of the um admins on the message board actually was able to hand deliver the gift to the band at one of their shows nice and the band was aware of our message board and they were really like flattered and it was this big thing Um, But either way, I do remember the day when the experience all became quite toxic because there was a a particularly um, heavily involved um, uh, member on the the board who was really becoming disenchanted with the band and kind of the direction they were going in musically. And she just started poisoning a lot of the threads with a lot of just trolling. Just, you know, run-of-the-mill trolling. A lot of shit that she would say was really just um, uh, insightful and really just kind of like, I don't know if that's the correct word, but it just incited a lot of reactions. And that's what trolling is about. is the word you're looking for. Incendiary. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, to the to the word. And, and, and in that regard, a lot of people just would like, you know, take the bait. And the spirit of that fan base just soured. 
And I'd like to think that it was kind of a sign of the times because at that point mm-hmm. it had been pretty much a whole year and all of our kind of initial excitement about everything kind of was getting old. And, and at the same time, it was kind of uh, getting to the point where the, the, the band itself was maturing. I think we were all kind of aging out and in that way it was just kind of sad to see how kind of one person's sort of uh, unmet, I guess, expectations were sort of just pervasively poisoning everyone else's feelings about the band too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just became a really toxic environment and I kind of lost uh, community in that regard. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a sad day. Like I remember feeling really kind of just mm-hmm. despondent about it because I lost some friends in that. And I mean, I still think about that message board to this day and like I actually got a chance to meet the lead singer um, a few years ago and I asked him if he remembered it and he was like, yeah, that was kind of weird. And there was even a point where like his family was like kind of low-key being stalked by like some of the the message board members. Um, And I actually reached out to his brother because his brother was trying to like start his own music career too. And I kind of like apologized to him and he was really gracious about it. He's like, yeah, no, I get weird messages from people from there all the time. But, like, I appreciate it. And I was like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. I, you know, <laughs> we're not all, like, wacky, you know? Like, it, well, it's just, ugh, it was a weird it, time in the life. It seems like a lot of our experiences with toxic fandom or the ones that can that we can remember were in the early 2000s you know before that rise of things like facebook like twitter um and you know you you you, yeah you, you had to go to a message board you had to go to like a very niche part of the internet in order to be able to you know either connect with people who were interested in the same things that you were or even you know rage about things who didn't like the same things that you you didn't like um and that that seems to have only gotten worse over time um and that along with um i feel like the accessibility that we have to certain um i'm just going to use celebrities as Mm -hmm. in umbrella term whether it be writers musicians actors actresses um, anyone really involved in that kind of fame pop culture world there's a certain amount of accessibility that I think we have now that we didn't have you know 10 20 30 years ago where you know maybe uh, a band would stay and do autographs after a concert or something Mm -hmm. but you didn't feel like you could potentially connect with a certain celebrity on like people do now on Instagram or or Twitter and have them actually somehow interface with you whether it be positively or negatively oh, and I, I think it's I, I think it's really cool that we have this advent where yes I can follow you know like Matthew Gray Goobler or whatever on Instagram <laughs> but you know it's but then unfortunately that also gives rise to people who see that accessibility as a very very easy tool of harassment. Yeah, no, I yeah. think that's absolutely been the precedent that's changed a lot of these uh, these ways we we look at our our special interests. I think specifically mm-hmm. for like this band too. Like they, use, I think the reason the message board was so um, popular was because of the way that the band was accessible to its fans. And like mm-hmm. they had a website where they would like in, they would um, intermittently post like blog posts about like their tour dates or just like you know notes from the road and whatever and then once you know twitter popped up and then uh facebook and instagram i remember like their myspace was like obsessively stalked by so many people but once each band member got their own um, individual presence i think that was like another just level and uh it definitely changed things because it became way more intimate and you sort of in a way i mean i definitely feel like i got to take my my sort of heroes off of their pedestals and I saw them more as mm-hmm. from a humanistic perspective and that definitely like cooled me off you know what I mean like I definitely stopped idealizing them and um, it definitely like brought me back down to earth and I sort of lost interest in that after after a while and I don't know how much of it had to really do with the way that that the, the message board lost its uh, steam and and sort of community but I think it definitely didn't help <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure yeah 
Have you guys heard about the um, the Steven Universe fandom? Yeah. So before we get into that, I do want to address. There's one thing I want to address. We're like when we're talking about toxic fandom, there are two sides of this. Now there's yeah. the one side where you know I'm going to use this as an example that we can get into in more detail later, where you get the example of um, what's recently happened with the Last Jedi. Now it might not right. be everyone's favorite Star Wars movie, but that's no excuse to have bullied. Kelly Marie Tran off the internet yeah. um, that's absolutely ridiculous and you know the ridiculousness of saying oh it should be struck from the Star Wars canon blah 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 but there's also the opposite side that I was going to bring up in the case of both Steven Universe and um, another podcast that I listened to where because social justice and the idea of social justice is also kind of a new concept to a lot of people and I know um, I think about a maybe a year less than within the last year we did an episode on call out culture and how call out culture has become kind of a part of our day-to-day life as well um there's a lot of people on the internet who are also very very quick to call out um when they feel something could be done better. And as we mentioned in that episode, um, there is a a delicate and an indelicate way of doing that. Um, I want to read a quote from an article on from pastemagazine.com that was actually in regards to um, the another podcast I listened to, um, The Adventure Zone with the McElroy brothers um, that started as a podcast that was them playing D&D with their dad. And then it was adapted (laughs) into um, like the first arc of it was adapted adapted into a graphic novel. Nice. And in this article, there's a quote that says, within fandom lies an unspoken agreement between creators and the supporters of their work, where both parties build an experience greater than the sum of its parts. A healthy fandom is a delicate balance in which fans understand that they have limited ownership over a project while giving creators the space to fulfill their vision. It's built on empathy and mutual respect. And I think that's something that, unfortunately, the idea of fandom has kind of lost where we've lost Mm. that idea of mutual respect and limited ownership we as fans do not own that intellectual property and i think also because liking things like harry potter or star wars or anything those are like gigantic fandoms it's not a niche thing to like star wars anymore like we're nerds we're not special and neither is anyone else for liking things in pop culture i'm not special for liking comics you know i'm not you know we're not special for liking the things that we do and unfortunately i think a lot of people forget that like liking a particular thing does not make them special and does not mean that they own that thing right and there there is definitely a part of tribalism that kind of comes into it right like yeah we are alike because we have this and there's also this kind of unspoken expectation that that comes with it um i totally see what you're saying with that um i also think there's the argument though that culture belongs to everybody um Mm -hmm. that like you know when you deal with even when a writer's taking on for example superman in the comic books Mm -hmm. no shocker that i would make that analogy but or (laughs) i mean you could easily apply it to ryan johnson taking over writing and directing The Last Jedi, too. Those characters are being inherited in a way. Like, they are are becoming the custodians of those characters. Um, And I think they feel like there's a responsibility to make sure that the essence of that character um, is maintained, basically. And there's, I think, two sides to that, because sometimes you, when you deal with, in the case of Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker, for example, you have a character who's kind of been in stasis in film for 40 years, right? You know, if you're going to mm-hmm. go off of the the now the legend stuff, there's tons of great character development that, that Luke Skywalker has shown. And they're not really using any of it in the new trilogy. They kind of wanted to go their own way with him, and that's totally fine. But so, you know, like it, it was so different, so against expectation. I think the reaction is was immediate rejection. Um, and also people tend to, I think, also have very short memories about fans, fan bases too, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fuhrer that came out when Michael Keaton was announced that he was going to play Batman, you know, they were like, what, what, Mr. Mom is Batman? Or oh, shit, <laughs> you know? Or, or well, the fact that, you know, Empire and Jedi were like, these 
movies are terrible, and that was the reaction when they came out. You know, like mm-hmm. the, this, these are nowhere near as good as Star Wars. You know, George Lucas, right. what are you thinking? And <laughs> you know that kind of thing. But you know, to, to add on to your point with with like bullying too, I feel really bad for not just killing me, Marie Tran, but Ahmed Best, right? You know, mm-hmm. he was. Now, granted, he was given a character that was written based off of kind of racial stereotypes, and that's not really great. But Mm -hmm. he tried to make it a full three-dimensional character, and he got shamed for it, you know? And and Mm -hmm. that, you know, that he was contemplating suicide during some of the darkest hours of that. And, like, there is, granted, you know, there's the argument that, you know, when you choose to take your own life, that is your choice that you're making. But at the same time, like, People when you're encouraged to do that by people who just didn't like a character you played, that's, that's really, a little ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. You're really, really, that's really, really and shitty. For those who can't connect it, Ahmed Best played Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank and you. Then, right. And so we get one end of this faction of fandom that we... I'm going to generalize a little bit and say a lot of it is a very aggressive white male community that um, for a very long time, like kind of liking these sort of niche things is kind of what made them feel special. And then if they faced rejection for any reason, it was easy to blow it off as well. You know, they they just can't connect with me. They just don't like the same things as me. But I think it was in like the social network there. One of the characters says, I think to to Jesse Eisenberg, like, oh, you know, People don't like you because you're it, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something the, to the extent of people don't like you, not because you're a nerd, but because you're an asshole. Or yes, something I think like that's that. exactly the quote. Yeah. yeah. And so Andrew Garfield's it's, it's, character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, or it's Andrew Garfield. Yeah. I forget. I forget who's no, Andrew Garfield's in that. character it's, literally it, tells yeah. him it's because you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's what it is. And so I think it's a lot harder for people to look at a fandom and think that they are the problem or look at their relationships with people and use a fandom to scapegoat that and then you know instead of thinking like oh no maybe i'm the one who's wrong i mean that's literally what happened to that fan of steven universe that she like drew a picture and apparently the character wasn't fat enough and people were like bullying her for it and she attempted suicide Mm mm-hmm it could not be more just horrible in that way. And then yeah. you hear about the incel um, stereotype. You know you know what incels are? Have you guys heard of incels? Yes. We're not going to yeah. normalize that because people no. shouldn't be uh, proud of being that. <laughs> no, but they're definitely a corner of the internet that I think is, is a result of this growing toxicity within social media. Can I, mm-hmm. can I make a, a wild hypothesis here? Mm-hmm. I feel like when you're, li- and, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Gina. I do think that this is a predominantly white male, uh, not problem, but it tends to the people who tend to participate in this type of toxic fan bases tend to be white male, which you know is unfortunate because like, great, just blame all the world problems on us. Well, <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, <laughs> sorry. Thank you for but taking like, ownership, Ryan. Yeah, you're not helping. <laughs> um. I just I feel like we're we have I feel like we are in the grips of a mental health epidemic in <laughs> our world. And keeping my ass employed, thank we, you very exactly. much. Exactly. Hey, Roxy's <laughs> gonna have Roxy's gonna be able to work to the day she dies. Um, oh my god. But uh I and I mean that sincerely. It's that I feel like it's not just that and I'm sure there are other stressors I'm sure that that, that also result in this kind of behavior too but i generally feel like we have done such a shitty job as humans building connections with other humans uh and i'm not one to blame the internet i think the internet can be an amazing tool for connection um but i think we have gotten so shitty at making meaningful relationships with other humans that we have forgotten to acknowledge the humanity of one another when we don't see it right standing right in front of us, you know? Well, don't you guys feel like that's been a problem that's pretty much historic, has historical uh, precedent? I feel like there's a sense of like obvious like elitism that comes with, mm-hmm. you know, these fan bases, right? And you could argue that there's elitism in any 
you know, part of life in, in, in any sort of field you, you come across. You know, I, I think about like intellects and people who used to argue about, you know, uh, literature and, and whatnot and philosophy. And I mean, mm-hmm. everyone took a philosophy class in college and hated that one fucking guy who would not shut the fuck up oh, about, God. Yeah. you know, certain things. And there's always going to be that type of persona. But unfortunately, on such a public forum as like Twitter or whatever, their voice is going to be heard on a much bigger basis. And it's going to just spread to a lot more people than, say, a philosophy classroom or a... Yeah you know right group of old men talking about you know old books and drinking sherry on you know yeah, doing right. whatever the fuck like it's been around for a long ass time and unfortunately i think there's just new mediums to you know to gush over like take to like the tv shows i'm thinking about off the top of my head that kind of inspire that or like rick and morty sure oh yeah. yeah like a lot of the fan base in rick and morty is known as a bunch of just like fucking know-it-alls yeah yeah like, <laughs> I I realized we when that we were recording our toxic fandom episode today, and yet I'm sitting here in my Rick and Morty T-shirt, and uh, I'm just like, oh, I chose. That's not poorly. to say that all fans are like that, <laughs> but I think it inspires a certain sense of like, I know better than you because the jokes are smarter than you, and I get that. right. But it but it's also like Rick and Morty is one of the most widely watched television shows now. And like just because you understand the same joke that everyone else watching it understands doesn't make you more cerebral than the rest of the normies out there. Like <laughs> for lack of a better and, term, yes. Right. And I think <laughs> I think it's also one of those things where like I really saw a certain level of toxicity in that when um, the t-shirt I'm actually wearing is from uh, last summer there it was a promotional thing that Adult Swim did where they have this big car that looks like Rick from the show Mm -hmm. Um, they call it the Rickmobile and it was making this tour across America and it San Jose stop happened to be at one of my favorite comic book stores Um, shout out to elusive comics and games in Santa Clara So it was in their parking lot, and the owner, Anna, made it very clear what the rules were. You know, the line was to start at a certain time. People were not supposed to camp out the night before. If people were lined up before a certain time, they would be shuffled back into a line. She made this very, very clear. And then people were really going up against her like, oh, you're trying to give rules to people whose favorite show is like focused around a rule breaker. And it's just <laughs> like what what people like – what I've realized about the Rick and Morty fan, well, first of all, like my sister and I went and it was fun and we have a great picture of the two of us now. But what <laughs> people don't like what people don't understand about fandoms like that, you know, if you watch something like, um, you know, um, Rick and Morty, you're not supposed to like and identify with the character of Rick. No, 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 he's no, no, no. A, he's, he's not a good person. Yeah, well, he's and a that's sociopath. that's it. And that's that's so many of these people who, you know, watch the show and think they're better than people because they understand a joke, blah blah, and they think Rick is so deep and it's just like, "No, no, you didn't understand this." It's also just like every dude bro who says that, you know, Fight Club is his favorite movie because mm-hmm. he identifies with Tyler Durden like, "No. No, <laughs> ladies Ladies, if you if someone ever tells you that their favorite movie is Fight Club, like unless they can back it up and tell you like they like the homoerotic commentary of Fight Club, run. You know, Gina, why do you think I'm still single? Because I tell people that Fight Club is my favorite movie. No, but like, but Roxy, Roxy, you're not you're not like a man that I'm afraid is going to like potentially get very aggressive and hit yeah. me because he has this yeah. fight club mentality well, no, like yeah. we all know we all know yeah. you like fight club because um <laughs> i love brad pitt username 16. yeah, yeah. exactly and, you know, the thing is that, <laughs> just like, want to clarify that for those who are curious <laughs> i mean you could argue that this is another another um external behavior of toxic masculinity you could yes. argue you could argue a lot of different things um that are all kind of in that that mindset and i feel like look we just need to say it and make it very very clear and it's hard it's really this is going to be really really hard but just because you like it doesn't mean you're special Mm -hmm. yes exactly and that's what we've been saying this whole episode 
is... We're not special and neither are you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're not special and neither are you. There you go. I love that. Um, Though we do think you're all very, very special for listening to this podcast. Thank and I you. think you're all very, very, very attractive. But the problem <laughs> is all. is that, you know, I think, and in general, I don't want to be the one, and of course I'm the white male, so it's going to sound like I'm being defensive, <laughs> but I don't want to single out just toxic masculinity as yeah, the right. as the issue because i think that we are all given these specific roles that we have to play and men generally are not supposed to show any signs of like you know mental frailty they're supposed to be strong strong mentally strong physically people and, unless you're a brony right unless you're a brony and you know <laughs> hey bronies you know you you do you man um <laughs> Uh, but there's also, you know, I think there's a role that women have to play, too. You know, yeah. right. Uh, women always have to be, not always, but I feel like there's the perception that women have to be the the constantly nurturing, understanding, and, like, you know, forgiving, you know, people. And, and we ship the hardest, yeah. Right, <laughs> you know, and it's and it's like, this is all, this is all bullshit. This is, yeah. like, like, why can't humans just be humans? Why can't we all just like listen to each other? Why can't we all try to show empathy, even when someone's being an asshole? You know, but the problem is that's really, really hard, and some people people aren't even aware of that they need to do mm-hmm. that work on themselves. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, right. unfortunately, we're socialized to belong, right? And we want to categorize ourselves; otherwise, we don't have identity, and we're too our egos are too weak to be able to identify ourselves with anything but ourselves. We have to belong to something. Whether that's a toxic fan base or a dangerous fan base, either way, it's something. And it breeds this sense of false identity. And unfortunately, I think a lot of weak-minded people are people who are very isolated or alone or looking Mm -hmm. to belong just in general, like I was in high school when I got into that band. Um, You know, ideally, one would hope that they would grow out of it and be able Mm -hmm. to sort of take that passion that they have for this particular um you know interest and generalize it into something productive but we mm-hmm. can't always get that so we have to deal with this certain sect of of our culture in such a way where you have to understand that unfortunately there's a certain aspect of mental illness involved with a lot of this type of behavior and mm-hmm. i mean that's coming from a you know obviously a mental health advocacy perspective like i would just hope that this idea of toxicity and i think you've seen it kind of unravel in a lot of ways in the last year especially with like the um times up and me too movement where you see a lot of men involved in a lot of these um uh, different sections of pop culture um having to come to terms with the fact that their behavior has really become you know irreprehensible like with dan Harmon, you know i think he's spoken Mm -hmm. out a lot about how like his fan base is particularly um, garbage filled and mm-hmm. he himself is no exception like he if you right. guys have heard his apology that he made to the one writer um who you know uh, oh the took, woman from community yeah who took issue with him um because he harassed her and um how he basically handled it i think we've discussed this before but i always think back to that and how he really took ownership of it and was able to have the insight to say that like yeah I fucked up and, you know, at the same time, like, there's growth to be had in this Mm -hmm. experience. And I would just hope that these certain groups would find that, like, at the end of the day, like, their lives are way, 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 way smaller and less important than they think. And they need to find better hobbies. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, is too, um, one of the things that, you know, was also brought up in some of these these articles that I was reading is, like, no one is going to be 100% happy yeah. with any piece of media. And this isn't to say it's not okay to not like something. If you don't like something, that's okay. Like, you yeah. can say, I didn't like this for, for this reason. And, you know, be a calm individual about it. But, you know, there's also ways to be critical of the media that you enjoy in a in a way that 
isn't so aggressive either. So I'm going to bring up the Adventure Zone again. When they were adapting the first arc of their podcast called Here There Be Gerblins into a graphic novel, um, they released some of their uh, early artwork for it. And because the three principal cast members were are all, you know, or four, um, including Griffin, the DM, um, they, they're all white men. All of the lead characters in this graphic novel were drawn as white men um and some of the fans who had been um maybe envisioning the characters as other races or something like that um spoke up about it and so there were certain things that they they then changed because they they listened to that and they were like hey you know you're right just having a bunch of like white dudes is boring whatever (laughs) um but then there were other things that it was a little bit hard to change. Um, there was another arc of the story where there were two um, female characters who were um, uh, in a relationship. And it was implied at the end of that arc that they were potentially uh, dead. Um, and they actually took a lot of flack for that because they, you know, they pointed out that, like, this is a trope of, like, the two lesbians dying at the mm. end or something like that. And that was a trope that was big in, like, the Pulp Fiction um, when, early, when in very early queer literature that in some oh. way they were going to be punished for, you know, their transgressions as being queer or something like that. And that's something that I think um, Griffin McElroy was very honest about in that he said, says, you know, well, I am a, you know, cis middle class white male. This is not a trope that I was aware of because I'm able to take in so much media that I see myself represented in that I didn't know this was a trope. And spoilers, um, skip forward 10 seconds if you're listening to the Adventure Zone and aren't caught up. He ended up actually bringing these two characters back um, at a certain point too as instead of them actually having died they came back as these like supernatural beings um, and so he he said that that was something that he'd planned for but didn't realize that implying that maybe at a certain moment in the story they were dead was actually a thing that was that could be taken as a very hurtful trope to right. certain communities and so there's there's a way to be critical of the media that you love without jumping down someone's throat about it either and yeah. you know that's something where like I appreciate this other podcast for kind of learning from that and then adapting that and as they've gone on to new stories and new arcs and different podcasts there are things that they've become more mindful of as they've garnered such a big community community with the adventure zone but that's something that you know understandably like the social justice community wants to see on a larger scale in hollywood where there's a much wider reach yeah i mean you mentioned the social justice community and i think that's its own toxic fan base too that's it can be something that i think a lot of people have discredited because of so many outspoken members really taking their points way too far um, Mm -hmm. and just running with a lot of misinformation and personal feelings that get in the way that really Mm -hmm. muddle up a lot of facts and I think misrepresent a lot of well-intentioned advocates who Mm -hmm. try to obviously spread awareness um, and that, and you know, in, in that regard, that's just that's just a really um, sad byproduct of I think of where um, our culture has gone with this sort of mm-hmm. um, toxicity. Yeah. There's a there's another quote here that I wanted to read from. Um, motherboard which i think is a division of vice um that says yeah it says it's hard to remember that harassment isn't solely the domain of wing nuts mras or petulant 20 something men with something to prove (laughs) even the even those who say they're the most committed to social justice can find themselves on the giving end of harassment and so you know even if you are active in the social justice community even if you want to see change being made coming at it with a huge level of aggression and just being stuck in like an echo chamber is not necessarily the best way to go either and I understand that's hard especially if you feel like your voice has been silenced for so long you can't help but kind of yell um that's totally understandable but definitely you know we can all work to be 
better consumers of media. Yeah, people are less yeah. likely to listen if you're yelling. That's and some it. people, some people will really, you know, plant their feet and stand their ground and be say like, well, you know, what? it's my right to say what I want to say because you know mm-hmm. this is a free country. That's true, but at the same time, you know, just because it's your right doesn't give you the license to be an asshole. Like yeah. it really, exactly, it really doesn't. And then yet we don't have to enshrine like an asshole amendment into our constitution, you know. <laughs> but it just like you know, kindness. Every every philosophical point of view that I, from my understanding, every religious point of view, does have a foundation in kindness. I've met nihilists that are <laughs> that talk about saying, you know what, I believe in nothing, and so you know what, because I don't believe in anything, it's just better to be kind to people. Because life is really shitty and really hard, <laughs> you know? And you know what? You know what, guys? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got them. Yeah, so really quickly, though. And apparently everyone loves showing it to strangers on the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, really quickly, I want to ask Roxy, where do you think the conversation has to start toward not removing, but starting to really truly address toxic fan bit, fandom, basically? Um, it has to start in elementary schools and preschools with the next generation of fans and teaching them the power of empathy and active listening and general social skills because that's really what it comes down to. You have a lot of socially awkward people trying to communicate a lot of passionate feelings about a specific subject and the only way they feel like they can come across is by making other people feel smaller than them and that's where a lot of the damage can come from. So I think by building on that communication aspect and that ability to speak from your heart while also only speaking from your experience and not trying to stamp stampede over other people's um, is a great way that you can like learn to avoid how to um, perpetuate this this just toxicness um, and overall just um, disconnect that can happen. So mm-hmm. I think that that's where it starts, honestly, from definitely a perspective as a mental health provider who works with a lot of kids yeah. And families that are really stunted by a lot of their own issues that have been not addressed um, when they could have been. I think it really comes down to that, you know, and like I can't help but think about like the incel community and how those particular um, individuals are in such a dark state that they would choose to kind of be a part of something that it can be so, so damaging Um, and really, really scary, for lack of a better feeling word. Um, You know, I just wonder, like, what went wrong? You know, who hurt you? Like, honest to goodness. Like, I just want to just stop it there. Yeah. And so are you, I mean, is there, honestly, is there anything we can do with the people who are the current generation? Or is it just, are we writing them off as a lost cause? Are we Um, too far gone, Roxy? Are we too far gone? Well, I mean... I don't know. Like, I'd like to open that question up to our listeners, too. Like, I feel like there's a lot more, obviously, accountability that needs to be shared. You know, I know that I'm not perfect when it comes to being able to share my thoughts and feelings about certain topics. Like, I I know I've, you know, talked ad nauseum about how much I disliked certain Spider-Man movies. Um, you know, like I've had my own issues and I've definitely made my own gripes and I know Sean's not here, but I would love to hear his sort of feelings about certain things because I know that, um, if you have a particular grasp on the English language, (laughs) uh, you can tend to be fairly, uh, creative when it comes to, um, certain opinions. I'm not, not talking about Sean specifically. I'm talking about just anybody in, you know, who, who has an opinion about anything. I think you have to... In a, in a day and age where we're so back and forth about political correctness and and what is comedy and what isn't and, you know, thoughts like that, um, I also think we're living in an age where there's more and more awareness about the impact that your words can have on a person and how mm-hmm. you have to be extra careful um, these days. Oh, and yeah. There's a, I think I mean, awareness and, around that yeah, is important. I think you mentioning the impact that this has had on comedy – is a really really big deal too, which is that's a, I mean that's in a whole up other show in and of itself. Yeah. But like the certain jokes you can't tell nowadays, even if they're really truly benign, it's just because everyone is so sensitive. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what, guys? I agree with Roxy. We need to hear you guys engage with us about this. And the way we can do that is through feedback. So why don't we take the moment, since we're getting we're running out of time, why don't we take the moment to read the one feedback email we have and go from there. Yes? Yay! Let's do it! Listener feedback. Yeah. I will read it since I already have it up. But, you know, really, honestly, you two should be reading this because this is from Dr. Andrew Ishkandar. <gasps> Dr. Andy! Dr. Andy! Um, subject is MIA. Hello, my favorite nerds. <laughs> I am so sorry that it's been a while since I've written, uh, written in. Uh, in turn, you got the better of me and I've got been so busy. Uh, but I hadn't listened to the podcast in about three or four months. I looked into my podcast app the other day and saw that I was about seven episodes behind. <gasps> yeah, Andy, how could you? But uh, <laughs> I'm back now, and I've caught up with the majority of the podcast. I'm so sorry that it's been a while since I've written in. First thing, congratulations to Brian on your wedding. Thank you. Uh, it's great hearing <laughs> you and Vanessa both pop up on the podcast and how much you guys click together through just the sounds of your voices. It is all for show, I, I assure you. Um, <laughs> what matters is that Andy approves, okay, Brian? Yeah. Um, Secondly, I love, love, love that you guys did an episode about old movies from when you were kids. I'll be honest, though, I've never watched Once Upon a Forest, and I had to look it up. But when I saw the poster, oh, so it cute. looks so familiar, but I don't think I've ever watched that movie. Personally, the movie I remember w- watching over and over and over again uh, was The Fox and the Hound. Uh, it still breaks my heart every time I watch it, although it has been a few years. Uh, don't know if you made, uh, if it made... Uh, you guys feel the same way, but thinking about it gives me the feels. Also, oh God. can we not forget about all those Disney Channel originals from when we were kids? <laughs> Break with my personal favorite. I've watched Break. it probably. Yeah, uh, I probably watched it about seventy thousand times. But there's also Xenon, The Luck of the Irish, <laughs> Alley Cat Strike, just to, uh, and just too many others to account. Um, Smart House, come on, Andy. Oh man, Luck of the Irish was my shit. Thirteenth yeah. year, how could you, Iskandar? Yeah. Uh, <sighs> finally, I just want to say how much I miss you guys. Uh, overall, uh, that long time of not being able to listen to you. Um, please keep doing what you're doing, and I hope to not have to suffer through those draws in the future. I think you meant to say withdrawals. Uh, withdrawals. Um, <laughs> That's doctor speak for withdrawal. I think you might. I think you might have dictated this. This message because there's lots of spelling so errors here. No offense, I'm sure you're a very intelligent man. Um, um, yeah. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. Exactly. Don't insult Andy. I'm not insulting him. I'm not insulting him. <laughs> Love you, Gina. I miss you guys so much. Aww. Hope to see you soon, Doctor Andy. Love so, you too, Andy. Yes. Um, yes. Andy, I love you too. You know. I was gone for several episodes. What? He heard you, not I me. I was his fucking prom date. You think he would say hello to me? I told I you. I gave I've... him a dance. I'm still I'm still shipping it, Roxy. I'm I've been shipping Andy and Roxy since 2004. Our babies <laughs> will be beautiful. Um, so, guys, obviously, you know, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, odd episode to jump in on. But um, if so, hi. Glad, um, glad, Hello. Glad, <laughs> glad that you uh, glad, glad that you uh, listened to us. Um, and you know, the great thing about Dr. Andy. Uh, or Ellie, one of our other feedback listeners, uh, oh. givers, or Dino, or, or Laura Hillary, Rose. or Laura Rose, is, you know, we've kind of built this correspondent relationship with them. And the only way we can do that is if you write to us or you engage with us. The way you can do that is you can go to neuronomy.com and you can click on that talk to us link and you can send us feedback that will go to all of our email inboxes. And, you know, while you're there at nerdonomy.com, you could certainly support us through a donation. As we can see, Gina has a new mic because of those donations. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, buy a T-shirt. All the money goes to helping us keep the podcast going, not to make any money, because trust, trust me, none of us make money off this podcast. <laughs> it goes um, to nerds in need, okay? Yeah. Um, you can also, also follow us on our social media. We have an Instagram, a Facebook, and a Twitter account at Nerdonomy. Google it. You'll find it. I promise you. Um, but more importantly, tell your friends. Spread the word of nerd like a bird turd, right? <laughs> And also, please, more than ever with this episode, don't just like it. Don't even just share it. Comment. We really want to see your comments about how you deal with this issue because it's getting rough. And, you know, the Internet's not going to go away, barring like a nuclear holocaust. Like, 
the internet is not going anywhere. It's going to get more powerful. Anything, if anything, it's going to get more accessible. So how do we become better people? <laughs> and how do how we, do we avoid Soylent Green from becoming people? <laughs> how can we how can we share our dislike of movies <laughs> in a more kind fashion? You know, Aww, <laughs> how can we be kinder to each other? But you kinder? know what? Mm-hmm. Speaking of fan bases, I feel like we've got one of the best. We yeah. are really kind, kind people. We do. Mm-hmm. So thank um, you, folks. Kind yeah. people that send us great movie mashups like John Cutting. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I'm so waiting. I can't wait till that break comes back. Awesome, I'm... awesome mm-hmm. owl coloring books. Uh, thank you, Athena. And oh, just yeah. all around awesome memes. Thank you, Brett. And awesome <laughs> spoken word poetry. Thank you, uh, Ben. Yeah. Also, oh, um, can, listeners, can we please send our, I hate to say the words thoughts and prayers because it's now like now a derogatory thing. <laughs> but I mean this in the positive way. Can we send our thoughts and prayers to Steven Roseberg and the team of Motion Picture Meltdown? Because they are located right on the path of Hurricane Florence right now. And yeah. Can no, we please... Steven's one of our closest, closest friends, and yeah. we wish him all the best. Seriously. Absolutely. Can we please, please put them in your thoughts and prayers and you know hope for their safety? Because yeah. it's going to get rough. Um, mm-hmm. so. Ellie, we're going to need a new chapter of the Time Traveler's uh, Time Traveler's daughter. Time daughter. Yeah. Time daughter. So send um, it our way, please. Guys, we would <laughs> hang around and just like talk more, but it's a weeknight and we have other things to do. So um, we're going to get out of here. But you know what? Until we meet again, stay in there, nerdy, and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. See ya. Bye. And roll credits. movie quotes you should not say during sex show me what you've got no no (laughs) (laughs) oh boy Uh, too creepy too creepy nope perfect Uh, apropos let's get swifty okay (laughs) gonna get swifty in here oh my god you guys